How many old Marines we got in here this morning? Look, y'all stand up, all you old Marines. All right, where are you? There he is, right there. Yeah. All the old crotchety ones were in the early service, all right? It's a good crowd right here. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all doing all right? All right. Romans 9, verse 30. Find your Bible, and let's go there. Romans 9. And last week, we were looking at Israelology, and we looked at 9, 10, 11. You know that chapter 9 looks back at Israel, chapter 10 now, chapter 11 forward. Well, right in the middle of 9 and 10, we find these verses in Romans 9, verses 30 through 33. And I'm going to read that text in just a moment. But before I go there, let me share about three things with you. Number one, to all of you uh, that uh, called, wrote, or card, or came, or whatever Wednesday night, thank you for a wonderful time uh, on Wednesday evening. Uh, I don't know when I've uh, been as encouraged or affirmed as I was on Wednesday night, so thank you a thousandfold uh, for birthday greetings. It was just a fun time, and I appreciate it. There's a lot of work went into that, that I didn't know what was going on, uh, but I was grateful, so thank you. And then turning to other events that are going on, I, I need to just make sure that you hear it, and you know, and you've seen this, been sent to you, but I just like to underline, next Sunday, Christmas Eve, one morning service, what time? 10 o'clock. We all come at 10 o'clock. Then we pick a time to come back 4, 6, or 11, okay? And that 4, 6, and 11, completely different from the 10 o'clock service. 10 o'clock is morning church like this, everybody together, and then we come back for candlelight at 4, 6 in here, or 11 over in Passmore Hall. Fast forward one more week, and it's New Year's Eve, 31st. We all meet together. We're going to have the Lord's Supper that morning. We will begin the service with the Lord's Supper. Not at the end. We'll do that up front. We're going to come to the table, and then we're going to ask God to accept our praise for the year and then look forward with vision to 2024. So you join me. Come and uh, just know this. Someone is going to be sitting in your seat. All right? So come with your forgiveness on, and uh, uh, that'll be good. And so we all gather together on New Year's Eve, and uh, we'll have the Lord's Supper, walk forward, and then I'm going to preach till I get done. All right? All right? And I, I'll, pr I'll make you one promise. We will be out before the kickoff of the late game that day. All right? Uh, so you join me on Christmas Eve. And New Year's Eve, we've got a great, great uh, two weeks in front of us. Hallelujah. Romans 9, verse 30. The stumbling stone. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by, say that word, faith, but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by, what's that word? Faith, but as though it were by 
works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Just as it is written, Isaiah 28, as Paul quotes, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Paul begins by putting the Gentiles on one side of the verse and Israel, the Jew, on the other side of the verse. He says that the Gentiles were pursuing righteousness. They wanted to know God. They wanted to be right with God. And they came by faith and they found the righteousness of God. Israel, the Jew on the other side, pursued a law of righteousness, but they didn't arrive at that law because they did not pursue it by faith, but they pursued it by works. The Jew thought, if I can keep the Ten Commandments and all the other hundreds of laws written in the Old Testament, I can arrive at righteousness. And Paul says, no, they did not arrive. The Gentile on the other side came by faith. And that faith was in Christ. And Christ has become the stumbling stone both to the Jew and to the Gentile that want to get right with God by what you can do or I can do. We cannot find the righteousness of God through our own work. We cannot obtain righteousness with God by what we do. It is what Jesus did, and we come by faith to believe. Paul wrote that over and over in Romans 1 and verse 17. He said it this way, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from, say those two words, faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous man shall live by what? Faith. Faith. Romans 3, verses 21 and 22. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even though the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Then in Galatians Chapter 2 and verse 16, he says it this way, as you find Galatians 2 and 16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by what? Faith in Christ and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified then in the third chapter in the 24th verse of Galatians Paul said it this way therefore the law has become our tutor the law is good we do learn from the law when we read it to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith And then in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 9, Paul says, And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through, what's the word? Faith 
in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. It's like this faith is a big deal. It's not what you can obtain, it's who you believe on that you come by faith. And then, of course, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, and everybody that hears me preach knows that it was Barnabas. But whoever wrote Hebrews, because we really don't know, in that great old verse in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith. Why did the Jews miss it? Why was Jesus and faith in Christ offensive? Why did they stumble over the rock that was Christ? As Paul says here in Romans chapter 9 and verse 33, quoting Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. John said it this way, He that is Jesus came to his own, and they did not receive him. Jesus came to his own, to the Jew, and they said, No! And Jew and Gentile from that day to this have been looking at Jesus and some say, yes, I believe by faith, but the multitude says, no, I am offended that he would be the way. I'm, I stumble, I know. Why was Jesus an offense to the Jew, and why is he an offense to so many, even of Gentile today? Well, let me give you five quick reasons. Number one, Jesus' claim of deity was offensive to the Jew. In John 6, 41, listen to this. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Is that not him? How does he say then, I have come down from heaven? We know he was he was born in that stable, Mary and Joseph, his mama. Now he's grown up, and he says, I've come down from, he didn't come down from heaven. He came out of that stable. And they say, it can't be. But Jesus claimed that he did come down, and that he had divine nature. He was God made flesh. And many today say, well, you know, Jesus is a good teacher. He's a great guy. He said some wonderful things, but he can't be God. You say, I just can't believe. You don't have to believe that. It's fine. You, you don't have to believe that Jesus is God, but you will believe it one day. Because the day's coming when every knee in this house and every tongue in this house and every knee and tongue that's watching and listening by some social media aspect, every knee's going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
But he was, the Jew was offended. He, he can't be God. He is God. Hear me say clearly, Jesus is God and no one else is like him. Secondly, Jesus' lowly birth was offensive. The way he was born in Luke 2, 32, I'm going to preach out of the mouth and life and testimony of this man Simeon over Christmas. In Luke 2, in verse 32, when Simeon held the baby, you remember they carried him down to the temple and there the old man held him and he said, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. But to the Jew, this, this birth was lowly. It was in a stinking barn. No Jew looked for the Messiah in a barn. They were looking for him in the throne room. But as the song we were singing today said, it was a manger throne. Man, I like that. That manger throne. That, that's just a phrase looking for a text, looking for a sermon is what that is. The manger throne. But, but the Jew, they were looking for a Messiah of exaltation, not a Messiah of humiliation. Jesus came lowly, and that was an offense to the Jew. Thirdly, Jesus' lack of rabbinical teaching and training was offensive to the Jew. You remember Jesus came teaching in Mark chapter 11. He was there. He came into Jerusalem. He was walking to the temple, and, and the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the deacons and the seminary professors came to him and began saying, by what authority do you do these things? Who gave you the authority to do these things? They said about this lowly carpenter son, he doesn't have a degree. He's not been to rabbinical training. He's not been at the temple. He doesn't know all of what's in the Old Testament. He's never learned it. Jesus didn't have to learn it. He wrote it. But they said, you don't have authority. Now, now watch this. Be very careful. People will say today about preachers, oh, you don't have enough training. You're, you don't have authority in your life if you hadn't been to a certain school. Well, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me both in heaven and on earth. He had authority. Just be very careful. Now, I remember growing up and God called me to preach. Brother Patton said to me over and over and over, call to preach, call to prepare, call to preach, call to prepare, call to preach, call to prepare. I heard it every week. And so I would go on and get my bachelor's and get my master's and do my doctoral work. But let me tell you, before I got my learning in the valley, I got my burning on the mountain. You got to have them both. Well, excuse me, you do not have to have them both. You do not have to have the learning of the valley, but you've got to have the burning of the mountain. I was preaching at Macklin Baptist Church two weeks ago, and a young man, 30 years of age, he and his wife have five children. He walked forward and said to us on that Tuesday night, God's called me to preach. So he said, we're going to help you do whatever. And I got a text 
just a few days ago said he preached his first sermon last Sunday. His pastor told him, said, God called you? Yeah, well, you're up. <laughs> Amen. My pastor kept telling me, call to preach, call to prepare, call to preach, call to prepare. He called me. He said, you're up next Sunday. The very next week, he told me, you preach. I said, I, what about the preparation? He said, you'll get it this week. <laughs> you'll pray more this week than you're praying your life. And he was right. I'm not sure I did so hot, but. I did all I knew. See, these people said about Jesus, he didn't have the rabbinical training. And that was offensive to the Jews. He he didn't have all the trappings of Judaism. But he was God made flesh. The greatest rabbi the world's ever known. He was the word incarnate. Don't miss him. Come to him by faith. Number four, Jesus' claim of exclusivity was offensive to the Jew. Hmm. In Acts chapter 4, we preached about it several, several weeks ago. Peter said these words in Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. He quotes our text. He said, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which has become the chief cornerstone. This stone of a stumbling has become the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name given under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. The people today, there's got to be another way, preacher. Jesus can't be the only way. Well, Jesus is either the only way or he's not worth following because he's the biggest liar the world's ever known. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no woman goes to the Father but that he comes through me. I am the only way. That was Jesus' claim. If he's not the only way, he's a liar. Forget it. But if he is the way, Follow him with all your soul. I've had people say to me, there's got to be other ways. What about people never heard? I say, what about the ones that have heard? Romans says, the man on an island, you don't know who's heard and who hadn't. God says he speaks through the creation. He speaks through the conscience. My old pastor used to say, if God finds somebody on a deserted island nowhere that everybody's ever seen him, if he responds well in his conscience creation, God will parachute in a missionary with the context of Scripture. He he can't be the only way. This exclusivity offended the Jew. It offends some of you. But you mark this down. There's coming a day when you will die and you will stand before the throne and you will see him there with nail prints in his hand. And you'll think, oh my Lord, that crazy, red-haired, balding, 70-year-old preacher told me you is it. And I said, no. Don't let Jesus offend you today.
come running to him. He is exclusively. He is the narrow gate. He is the straight way. And no man goes to the Father but that you come through the gate called Christ. This exclusivity claim was offensive to the Jews and it's offensive to many in our world today. Number five, Jesus' crucifixion was offensive. 1 Corinthians 1, 22-23, Paul said it like this when we read 1 Corinthians, verse 22. For indeed Jews, as for signs and Greeks, they're looking for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a what? A stumbling block. And to the Gentiles, foolishness. The Jew would have said the Messiah would never, ever be hung in public and crucified, murdered. He would come riding on a stallion with a sword, a victor. That's coming. He's coming that way. But he didn't come that way to earth. He came lowly. He came sinless. He came crucified. Why the cross? Because the cross condemns man's self-righteousness and does away with all the pride that you could ever think you could have. You say, well, I can just, you know, preacher, I, I I do more good than I do bad, so I can make it in. You do not do more good than you do bad. The Bible says you haven't even thought about it in your minds if you've done it. And if you have committed one sin, you're guilty of all. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs a redeemer, including you. You'll come running to Jesus. He'll, he'll forgive your sin. Last week, I made a visit to see my friend, Don Jacobs. Don Jacobs was a mail carrier, and I've told you about him. Thursday, I got a phone call. His wife had a massive stroke and died. I was with Peggy just a week ago. She invited us into the home, hugged us, offered us soft drink, snack. We laughed. Their son was a college quarterback. They took us down the hallway and showed us the Hall of Fame. Their boy. I made pictures. We just laughed. Old Jake was a drunk. God saved him. He knelt down and said, God, I'll give you my life. Then God called him to preach. He said, I'm okay by getting saved, but I'm not doing that preaching. <laughs> he told me, he said, I can take you to the very mailbox where I was carrying the mail, knelt down. And I answered God's call. Mm -hmm. And from that day till this, he's been preaching the cross. Preaching the cross. He said, the cross took my old drunken self and I died there and I can't I didn't have any righteousness to offer I was just an old dogged country drunk 
and he got saved. I've known others that have been drunk in life, but they've said, I don't need God, and I'm smart enough, I can get, and I've watched people bring their mentality to God and say, Lord, I can't get there, I, I'm not smart enough, and they give their life to God. Amen. He that was the stumbling stone became the chief cornerstone, and that cross condemns our self-righteousness and all of our pride. Go back to chapter 9, the very last phrase. I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling rock offense, and then here's this phrase. Look, look at this. He who believes in him will not be disappointed. That's one of the hardest words in the Greek New Testament to translate. The King James says ashamed. New American Standard says disappointed. I can't figure out what that means. Now, I've been to school. I, I, matter of fact, I talked to the president of Southwestern Seminary this morning. They're having some issues. I sent him a text, and he sent me one back, and we're praying about the school. I've been there. I've gotten my degree. I, I can't read a Greek New Testament. I can open it up, and I've got books that help me with the words and I promise you I'll never preach a sermon that chat, GBT, is that the PT, whatever it is. I tried it this week. I've got it on my phone, and so I put in there, give me a devotional on Jeroboam. Sin. Gave me four points. It is great. There's people preaching that way today. It's the way they preach. Just let their computer give it to you. I promise you I won't ever do that. Will I ever do it? Yeah. Will I ever read it? Yeah, I'll use every tool I can. But when I come to this place, it's going to be what I believe God's told me. Not what some 18-year-old in a Google deal it's put together. Google. Isn't that a great word? I mean, that's, I met a girl this week works for Google. She's smart. My Lord, she's smart. She just missed some stuff. I said, here's the chat right here. Amen. Here's where you need to chat. The crucifixion. If you come, you will not be disappointed, ashamed. I, so I finally dug into the word, and it's two words like you put a nut on a bolt, and these two words, when you put it together, one of them is the negative, not, and the other one is blush. You will not blush when you come to Jesus. That's what this word means. When you come to Christ, you will not be embarrassed disappointed, ashamed, you, you will not say, oh, I love Jesus, and then, oh, Lord. No, no. When you come to him, you'll not be ashamed. You'll light up. You, you go public, and you will not be ashamed of the name. That's what this word means. Psalm 118, verse 22 the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Friend, you are either standing on the stone or stumbling on the stone. Which one are you? 
you've either stumbled over it and been offended by it, or you staked your life on it. A year or two ago, my wife got me some new shoes. I usually wear shoes like this. They're leather and got leather bottoms. But the older I get, the more they hurt my feet. And so she bought me some of those with those squishy soles. Soft. They feel pretty good. I preach in them every now and then. And the first time I put them on, I said, boy, I like this. I said, Roger, this is like old basketball shoes that were brand new that weren't wore out. And so I said, I'm going to go down to get the mail. And to go to the mailbox at my house, you leave and you go down the driveway. And it falls about from here to the floor. And, and so I was going and I went down and something happened that those soft, rubbery soles hung on something and I stumbled and then my life went into slow motion. <laughs> and I remember, don't put your hands out, your shoulder will go bad. Don't put your face out, your nose will go bad. I remembered Coach Kenimer telling me how to fall. My football coach. He said, when you're going down, dip that shoulder and let you come over the top. And so I was going, I stumbled, I dropped that shoulder, I rolled, I didn't scratch anything, my pants weren't even torn, I, got, I fell out in the middle of the road, I jumped up and I looked both ways. <laughs> Nobody saw me and I said, glory to God, we're going back to the house right here. <laughs> I stumbled over something, I don't know what it was. Those stupid shoes. And when you come to Jesus, my friend, when you face him, you either stumble or you stand. And if he offends you, you will stumble inside a figure and you'll fall. You'll fall into hell unless you decide to stand on the stone. 1980. Evangelism class, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, Fort Worth, Texas. Dr. Oscar Thompson walked in. He said, gentlemen, I'm going to be gone a few weeks. This is the new professor that will take my class. I have to go to Houston because I've been diagnosed with cancer. And I'll have to be away for a little while. Pray for me. And we prayed. The weeks went by. And we heard he might be coming. And that day, Dr. O, Oscar Thompson, had a cane. And he came slowly into class. He hung that cane on his lectern and he kind of leaned on it and leaned out over the lectern. He said, boys, there are about 20 of us, all guys. He said, boys, let me tell you something. I've been to the bottom 
and she's solid. He said, I didn't have anything but Jesus to hang on to. He said he'd be the foundation. He's the rock. You can count on him. He didn't lie. I've been to the bottom. It's solid. We start to shout and cry, pray. He had gone a few years and then died. He didn't stumble. He took his stand. He took his stand. Have you stumbled on the rock? Or are you standing on the rock? I want you to come stand on the rock. I want you to come to Jesus.